this message today uh, to come forth to speak to the issues that are threatening our, our culture today. And, and, and I guess I'm going to say some things. I'm just going to cover this up front. I, I hope I don't say it again. But I'm, I'm not here to offend anybody today. I'm here to speak what I believe is the truth from the Word of God today. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some might be offended or some might be uncomfortable. And if that's the case, just stay with us. Stay with us. And let the Lord speak into your heart today. Have an open heart and an open mind as you listen to what I believe God has to speak into this house today. And if you're at home, I I would encourage you to do the same thing. But there is an ongoing problem of racism in our country. And we, as the church of Jesus Christ, have an obligation and an opportunity in this moment. In this moment that we're in, and I'm talking about June 7th, the last few days, in this moment in 2020. I want to share with you a verse that is going to be one of the primary texts. There's going to be several scriptures today that you're going to
it's not just something else now that we just saw on TV that we can get desensitized to sometimes. Yeah, it's not in our backyard, that's true, but it's another human being suffering, greatly suffering, right before our eyes. I mean, we, we saw it. It was, it really was, the only other thing you could have done would have been standing there to see it. It was that close and that real. When I first saw the video, I was, a lot of things, but I'll say if y'all was shocked, I was in disbelief. And then when I, there was one video that came out to start with, then there was the longer one. I don't know if you saw that. I'm not, again, encouraging you to go look at it, but there was a longer version of it. And, and then when I saw that, I saw a man. I saw a father of a six-year-old daughter, by the way. I saw a human being, a man made in the image of God. We're going to come back to that. Who has a name. He's not just some guy that got killed. He has a name. His name's George Floyd. And I know I'm not trying to say anything about him one way or the other. What his life was, that doesn't matter. That's not what this is about. But he has a name. You know, God made him. He's a human being. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and as you can see now, I don't mean to do this, but I see a man pleading and begging for his life. And he's, and he's pleading for mercy. 
justice. Okay, well, we need justice for George Floyd. We need justice. And they feel like justice is to prosecute and blame law enforcement. Now, for crimes that have been committed, they should be prosecuted. Make no mistake, I want to be clear. But that's the idea that's coming out. Justice is to blame them. We've got to find somebody to blame. Folks, this is not all about law enforcement. This issue is not just about this. This issue is about all of us. Every one of us sitting in this room today, this issue is about all of us. Now, I said this last week, for those of you that may have heard it, are there bad police officers? Yes, there are. Are there bad pastors and evangelists? Yes, there are. I know some of them personally who have gone astray, and I don't say this with any pleasure, but who embezzle money and take advantage of people and pray up on people. Well, that's, that's the nature of the fallen world we live in. And I'll, I'll use one other example. I could go through every profession. I don't need to. But teachers. I know we have some teachers here today. I know people who are teachers that have come into or this fellowship of this church. I know people who have been teachers in the past and educators. For many of you, and if not all of you know, that it's been very widely publicized numerous times, several stories, over the last 20 years, let's say, of teachers who have been predators upon minor children and taking advantage of them, using their influence and their power to abuse them. It's happened. They've been prosecuted in court and they're in jail, rightfully so, I believe. For every one of those stories we know about, there's dozens or who knows how many that have, that have never made it into the media, number one. And then there are numerous stories like that that have never been reported. So I ask you today, the next time you see a teacher, do you think they're a child predator? Of course not. I know teachers that are great teachers. But those particular teachers that did those things, they were bad doesn't make every teacher bad. Does that make sense? In fact, I would even say to think that that could be the case. Well, next time I go to my child's teacher, I remember what those teachers did. You're, you're, you're a teacher. That means you're like them. That would be nonsense. It would be foolishness to say something like that. It's the same thing, folks. So I'm not here to defend anybody or to I know this. I know a lot of people personally in law enforcement. Many of you probably do. I know them. And I'll tell you, the ones I know care about justice. They got into this thing because, yes, it's a job. That's true. But they got into it to protect and serve. That's what they did. See, I know these people. I know a lot of God-loving, Christian, sold-out-to-God law enforcement people. I know them personally. So here's the good news about all this stuff. We, as the body of Christ, we, as a family, we don't have to choose sides. We don't have to choose sides today. We can be totally against racism. We can be totally against police brutality. We can call it out, speak to it, make sure we can protest it peacefully. We can protest it if we choose to. That's all right. That's okay. Have to 
first two verses of Romans 13. This is the New Living Translation I'm going to read for you. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Now, everyone, the last time I looked, means everyone. There are no exemptions to this, okay? <laughs> for all authority comes from who? All authority. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, it doesn't say, and by the way, all of those positions, people that have been placed in a position of authority, you have to agree with them. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that you have to think that everything they do is exactly the right way to do things. No. It's not saying there that there may not be some things that, that, that people that stumble and fail and do other things, maybe even horrible things. It doesn't say that either. What it says is, anyone, that means all of us, again, that's, there's no exclusion there, anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. I don't need to add any more words. So I'm going to say this. Pray for those that suffer unjustly. Please do that. We need to do that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But also pray for those who protect us bravely. Pray for all of you. So what I know about all of you guys, my family, is that you care. You're a caring group of people. There's a lot of voices around all of us now. It's the media, it's stuff that you read on the internet, and maybe our friends, our family, it's a water cooler discussion. Wherever it is, there's a lot of voices telling us how we should feel, what we should do. I want to share a few thoughts on what I think very quickly that the, that the, that the Scripture says and that, that God is saying about how we can help the healing, move the healing of this forward, and, and also to stop the injustice. The answers are found in here. Believe me, there's no government that's going to solve this problem. There's no law that can be passed. I'm not saying there shouldn't be laws that are passed and other things that, but there's no government, there's no law that will solve this problem. It, it, it's not. But I know one who can. I know an answer. I know where the answers are found. I know where it can be done. And where does it start? It starts here. This is where we are today. There's other churches doing it. This is where it starts. It starts with us. So one thing is, we got. do we have to admit, and I'm going to go back to this particular comment now, I'm not trying to associate anything about having with the officer of that incident, I'm just bringing that up because it's in the, that's what's triggered all of this. We have to admit that racism is a problem. We have to admit it. If you don't believe that it is, then we got, that's, that's ground that has to be covered. I'm not trying to say how much of a problem it is or what effects we've got. I'm just saying, we have to admit it's a problem. It's not something that's gone away. It exists. And you may not have lived it. Maybe many of you in here haven't. Maybe many of you have. You may not have lived it. Maybe you haven't even seen it. See, I've never lived it. But I've seen it. I've, I've seen it before. I've seen it, examples of it before that I've observed and I've been able to see. But just because that may not be your experience does not mean that it doesn't exist. <laughs> Please understand that. That's really important. And as the body of Christ, we cannot move things forward in this conversation and in this healing. We can't move it forward. We can't even get started if we don't acknowledge the problem. And again, we all have different biases. We come from different life experience. We different viewpoints, maybe even prejudice. Prejudice is the 
defined as preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. They're just things in our life. How we all were brought up. I can tell you stories about people in my family that, that everybody's experience is going to create some kind of biases and other things that, that, that affect them. And that's okay. I'll tell you one of my challenges. One of my biggest challenges, and I've thought about this a lot this week, one of my biggest challenges is to recognize that my experience as a white, male, middle-class American, my experience is not like everybody else's. You might find yourself in that category, too. Don't know. Uh, it's just not. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be just as foolish for me to say that it is, that I can understand. I can't. It just isn't. And there's a lot of things that happen in our society. What do we do a lot of times when we have these things happen? We have a conversation about it, right? I remember in our home talking about all kinds of things that happened in the world. I remember when, when, the, when there was communism, you know, in the Cold War, and we had little conversations around our dinner table. I could name a lot of things I don't need to. We discuss it at home with our children. And I want to tell you, there are, there are other things that would be examples of this. The COVID-19 if you have children in your home or people, maybe it's just your friends or, or your family, whatever it is, or just group at work, whatever it might be, I can almost certainly guarantee that there's nobody in here who hasn't engaged with someone in a conversation about COVID-19. We discuss these things. And that's okay. We should discuss them at home. That's what I'm specifically talking about. And I'll get more precise on that in a second. But it may be the opioid crisis. That's something that's really out there prevalent today that's, that's just skyrocketing. It used to be just drugs in general. Just say no. There's a drug problem. Educate your kids about this. Tell them about that. There's so many examples of things I could talk about, but here's what I want to say. We need to add racism and injustice to that list of conversations. We need to do that, folks. I'm not up here trying to be woke if you know what that means, if you've heard that term any time lately. That's not what this is. This is a specific moment where the church of Jesus Christ has to do something. It has to do something. We need to add that to that. So teach our grandchildren, our children, our nieces, our nephews, anyone, really, it doesn't matter their age, anyone in the sphere of influence that you have, teach them this. Everyone, say everyone, everyone is created in the image of God. Teach them that. You know, that's not anything new. But it needs to be talked about. It needs to be taught. It needs to be specifically and intentionally addressed. Genesis, the first chapter of the Bible, it talks about it. Verse 27, Amplified Version. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness, the Amplified says, of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you need me to explain that anymore? That's it. Teach it. And we can't have an us and them mentality. We can't do that. We cannot have us and them. And it's not just about race either. That's what they need to be talking about there. We can't have that about believers and non-believers. Well, I'm a Christian, and these are the Christians, and they're the non-Christians. We can't do that. It's not us and them. Everyone is created in God's image. You can't have prejudice and bias against people who aren't believers. It also applies to church. 
churches. Now listen to this. It doesn't matter if you're in assemblies of God or if you're Baptist. Hello? Now I want to just clarify this. There are some false religions out there. Okay, I'm not including them. There are people that teach things that are not included in this book. But if you want to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing is that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, came down to this earth, lived a sinless life, went through misery and torture and the crucifixion on the cross to die for the atonement for our sins so that we could live eternally forever with him. And then three days later, by the power of God, he was raised from the dead, out of the tomb, conquered the grave, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and let us be able to live in that. If we consider on that, the rest of it is just conversation. And again, you can have doctrinal conversations, theological debates, okay, all well and good, but that's the main thing. Now, there are some that don't teach that. I'm excluding them from that. But let's not get into us and them anywhere. Our denomination isn't better. We may believe things differently, and that's great. Experience that. So it's not us and them. It's us and us. (laughs) It's them. They're a part of us because God created us that way. So call racism for what it is. It's wrong. In fact, I'm going to say it like this. And I think most of you would agree with me, but this is how I look at it. Racism is evil. Racism is evil. Have you ever used the term, that's from the pit of hell? Racism is of the devil. And it is from the pit of hell. Designed to come into this world to divide us. God and Jesus is a uniter, not a divider. The devil is a divider. That's how he wins. That's how he, he gets over on people. So call it for what it is. And when human beings carry out evil, wherever they are, there's racism or anything else, you know, robberies, murders, all the things that happen, it, it breaks the heart of God. And it should break the heart of the body of Christ. And it should break the hearts of all of us. So admit racism is real. The next thing is we need to listen. This is really important. You need to, we need to ask questions. We need to listen closely to people that have a different background, a different life experience, a different story to tell. And I'm going to tell you to do something that I did. And if you look around this building and people when we're here, and especially we don't have as many people as we normally do, we're still coming back to to the numbers and the gathering. And, but I know a lot of them are watching on live stream. But even here today, we have diversity in this church. I have prayed for God to give me a heart to carry this out. And I hope that I see it fulfilled. I believe that I will. But I want our church to be multi-ethnic church. But not just say we've got a representation. I want it to be equal. I want there to be as many African-Americans, I want there to be as many Hispanics or whatever, Asian population, whatever God wants to bring in. I would like that to be like equal parts of the pie. Does that make sense when I'm saying that? That's how I want it to be. I want it to be multi-generational. We need to take and lean into the, the great maturity of our seniors and people. 
tell you what happened. And I just asked this question, and you can ask it any way you want, but how has racism or has racism impacted your life? You might find that some people say a little bit, but some may say a lot. Some may say, not so much me, but boy, my parents or my grandparents, they could tell you. But you listen to that story. Don't talk. Don't add your attitude or talk to it. Listen to what they have to say. Let them speak. And I'll tell you this. And it happened this week. The more I listen to people tell me that, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I promise you, you will believe it. And you will find out there's a lot that you don't know about what's going on in, in this world today. And the more I listen, the more it's clear to me that, that I need to learn. I, I, I need to learn more about it. So I will tell you this. When you have that conversation, though, and I, I said when because I'm expecting you to do it, we're going to have a form that you have to fill out at the end of the service that you have to get signed off before you come back. <laughs> but but, but if, you, if you and when you do that, I will tell you this, you're going to get into a conversation that's going to be awkward. Maybe not so much, it depends on who you talk to one way or the other. It's hard to say, but it, it, could be, it can be, and it probably will be awkward, and it might even be embarrassing a little bit, whatever it is, but push through that. Don't let that stop you from doing this. And you will be surprised, I will tell you this, this has happened in my life so many times, you will be surprised how many things that are insightful and impactful moments in your life that occur when you are willing to be vulnerable and uncomfortable. If you're willing to do that, you're going to have things that will impact you. So admit racism is real. Listen to someone. And then we need to pray. Seems like that's always a lot of things in sermons. One of the things we need to do to deal with one thing or another is pray. Well, guess what? We do. <laughs> There's never a time not for prayer. This verse, we maybe all heard it. I'm going to say it again anyway because I don't think you can say it enough. Here we go. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, let's read this together. I think we got it. Read this together with me. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Those last three words are what we need, folks. Say that with me. Heal their land. We can't do it. The government can't do it. God can do it, and it starts with his people. But look at what it says now. If, you got to do it, if, got to be humble, you got to be willing to pray and seek the face of God, you got to turn from sin and all the junk in your life, then, that means after you guys get your act together, I will hear from heaven, you'll be forgiven for all that stuff, for all of these injustices and everything else. Do you believe God has the power to heal? God has the power to heal this land. But there's a prescription right there for it. That's the prescription right there. So it's not our problem to solve alone. We need to hear from heaven. We need heaven to help us solve this problem. Because as I said before, it can't be done by man, by government, by laws. Those things might can help a little bit. It can't be solved by man. So we need to pray. 
for George Floyd's family. We need to pray for his six-year-old daughter. We need to pray for his friends. We need to pray for America and the cities that are burning right now. And all the devastation of the criminals that have decided to take this opportunity to go out and, and perpetrate crime on America. We need to pray for those cities. We need to pray for justice. We need to pray for love. We need to pray for compassion. We need to pray for understanding. God, give me understanding of this circumstance. That's what I was sharing before. Pray for those who suffer injustice and pray for those who protect us bravely. Prayer. And listen to this. Pray for a voice. Pray for the courage. Pray for the boldness. Pray for a voice to speak restoration, to speak forgiveness. And here's a big word I want you to take away today. To speak unity. Jesus came to unify everything. And if we allow him to, he can do it. And you know Jesus prayed for us? He prayed for us. And I'm not talking about prayed for him and all the time you saw prayer. He prayed for all of you sitting in this congregation today. And he knew he was praying for you when he prayed over 2,000 years ago. Did you know that? Here's where it says in John 17, starting in verse 20. This is a prayer that Jesus is having. He's praying to the Father. This is what it says. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. The reason we believe in Jesus today is through their message. That's why it happened. Jesus was praying for me. He was praying for me. And this is what he said. I pray that they, he prayed that I, that you, will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. And I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect, say it with me, unity, perfect unity. That is what Jesus is praying for us. That they would experience such perfect unity. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love Jesus prayed that. He prayed for unity. And he told us how to get there right there. And and all the other teachings and the things that he laid out for us. The Apostle Paul prayed for unity. Romans 15. Just read this really quick. This is Paul now. This is the Passion Translation. I thought this was interesting. Paul says this. Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from your relationship with Jesus. Think about that. You want unity in this country? You've got to have Jesus. It flows from your relationship with Jesus, the anointed one. And then with a unanimous, by the way, the root word of that is unity. Unanimous, with a unanimous rush of passion, you will with one voice, again, one voice, that's unity, We will with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of us can pray, folks. There's no one in here that can't do it. 
social injustice and all the other injustice in the world. I want to attack it in the power of God. How do I do that? By praying. By, by, by living like what he tells us to do right here. It's all laid out. So we got to admit. we got to listen. we got to pray. And the last thing is, as our praise team comes, is we're going we're gonna to have to love. We've got to love. Now I know it's like, well, yeah, we already know that, Pastor Billy. That's right. Okay, sure. I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think we can say enough about this because Jesus so strongly emphasizes it. It's like there's certain things he emphasizes more than others, and this is one of them. And he says this, many places Jesus talks about love. We could go through all of that. But John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 34 and 35, it says this. Look up here, you can read it along. A new commandment, Jesus is speaking here. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, and you are to love one another. You also have to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do we do that? We love generously. We don't hold back and dispense it to where we feel like we're watching. We love generously. We love unconditionally. We love boldly. There's a song we sing on every once in a while called Reckless Love. Maybe we love recklessly. Without any constrictions on it. Just just love. Put love out into the world. Love with mercy. Love with grace. And show love by standing with others. Maybe those that can't speak as loudly for themselves or can't stand up as much for themselves. Speak unity. That's how you love. Speak unity. The last verse I want to leave you with today. Proverbs 10, 12. Solomon was considered to be, most a lot of people say, he's the wisest man. He wrote Proverbs, wrote a lot of wisdom in there, a lot of interesting things if you read it. But there's not anything that's more interesting than this for today. Look at this, Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict. But love covers Hatred stirs up conflicts. The, 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 the Passion Translation says it like this. Hatred keeps old quarrels alive. Isn't that what's happening today? Old quarrels, things we've been quarreling about for a long time, is kept alive by hate. Here's the devil. Hate. Here's Jesus. Love. It's 180 degrees the opposite. He's a divider. Jesus is a uniter. Just look in their eyes. I'm just using you as an example. 
that you haven't. Maybe you'll learn something. I know that you will. So as followers of Christ, if we're followers of Christ, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Do what's right. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Love generously, unconditionally, boldly. I know when I'm saying these words that I'm saying today may not change much. Maybe it'll change a little, I don't know. But you can change it. You, all of us, we, can be the change. We can continue 